An Irishman, a Mexican, and a blonde fellow were working on the 20th floor scaffolding washing windows. And uh, the Irishman opened his lunch, and there was corned beef and cabbage. And he said to himself, man, if I get another, actually said it to the other two guys, if I get another corned beef and hash and cabbage lunch, I'm chomping. The Mexican opened his lunch, it was burritos. He said, man, if I get burritos one more time, I'm jumping. And the blonde fellow, he opened his lunch, and it was a bologna sandwich. And he said, man, if I get another bologna sandwich, I'm jumping. Well, the next morning, next afternoon at lunchtime, they opened their lunches, and the Irishman, sure enough, got corned beef and cabbage, and he jumped to his death. The Mexican opened and found burritos, and he jumped to his death. And the blonde fellow opened his lunch, and it was a bologna sandwich, and he jumped to his death. And so at the funeral, all they, they had the funerals together. I don't know why, but they did. And, uh, and, the, uh, and the widow of the Irishman was crying, and she said, If I'd have just known, if I'd have just known, I would never have made him another corned beef and, and, and cabbage lunch. And the Mexican widow, she was crying too. She said, oh, if I'd have just known, I would never have made him another burrito. And then everybody turns to look at the, the wife of the blonde man. She said, don't look at me. He made his own lunch. <laughs> Let's face it, men. We're not always the sharpest tool in the shed, right? We started this all in the family series with a challenge to the Jesus-following women in our church family. And uh, so I want to bring this series on All in the Family to a close by challenging the Jesus-following men of our church family. Today's Father's Day, and it's a day in which we honor our fathers and we seek to honor our Heavenly Father. Actually, I think maybe more than usual, this morning I have been struck with Father's Day being a day we should really honor our Heavenly Father. And maybe that happens every year and I forget, but this morning I was just struck why this ought to be a day where we really focus on honoring our Father in, in heaven. And uh, so what I'm going to say this morning, it's, it's going to be a challenge to all of us that are dads, but, uh, but I want to say that what I'm going to say this morning is really a challenge to all of us men. And just like the talk that I, I shared with the ladies, you know, cross-gender application. In other words, you know, when I was speaking to the ladies, and a lot of you men said, hey, much of what you said to them applied to us too. And, uh, and you were right. In the same way today, what I'm saying, ladies, to the men is going to have some, some cross-gender application for, for you ladies as well. So I don't want you to tune tune me out. But, but my goal this morning is to speak to us men. And I've called this talk this morning, Act Like Men. Act Like Men. Our text is 1 Corinthians 16, 13 to 16, and Paul is bringing his letter to the church at Corinth. Remember, he wrote at least two, uh, we, we believe there was probably three letters written to Corinth, uh, but this is the first letter, 16th chapter. He's bringing this letter to a close. And in the closing remarks of this letter, I believe that the Apostle Paul is giving some challenges to us men who follow Jesus. And there's, there's something specific about verse 13 that says to me his target is us men. He's really focusing these comments on us men. And so again, you know, men, this is going to, this is going to be directed at each of us, uh, each of us that is a man. Verse 13, follow along in your Bibles. It says, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. 
Now I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanas, that they were the first fruits of Achaia, and they have devoted themselves for ministry to the saints, that you also be in subjection to such men and to everyone who helps in the work and labors. Now, in these four verses, I believe that Paul is going to issue to us seven challenges, men. Some of these are going to be by imperative command. That means that they are a directive command. You do this. Some of them are passive, and you'll see what I mean by that in just a moment. And one of them, I think it's almost by illustration even, uh, but there are seven commands that I want to, um, to share with you. And I believe, ladies, that I had seven for you back at the beginning of this series, but we got seven for us men, the perfect number. Now, I whittled it down to seven, I'll be honest. All right, no, Matthew 20, I mean, uh, the first command, let's dive in. The first command is this, stay vigilant. Stay vigilant. Your, your text may say, be on the alert. My translation used the word vigilant, but, uh, um, but the word is often translated, be awake, be vigilant, be watchful. Men, you and I cannot afford to be drowsy and distracted in the role that we have as protector and uh, leader in our family. We have to be attentive and watchful. In Matthew 26, verse 41, Jesus the night before he is to die, pulls his disciples aside and he says, keep watching and praying that you may not enter in temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. In Romans 13, 11, the apostle Paul wrote this, do this knowing the time that it's already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. These verses carry the implication of alertness, both in your personal life and and also in vigilance for your family. Some of you may not know this, but I live next door to Beverly and Rick Mann, and uh, there's a little wooded area between us, and there's a little creek at the bottom, and I'll often go over to Beverly's house walking through the woods. Now, I want you to know that every time that I step into the woods, I am very alert because I'm very afraid I'm going to step on a copperhead down there by the creek, right? When I ride my motorcycle at night, I, which is very rarely, but when I do, I am very alert because I'm so afraid of a deer jumping out in front of me. Here's my point. When we recognize that there is danger, we are keenly aware of it, and it helps us stay vigilant. There is a very clear and present danger, men, and we need to recognize this, and we need to realize this so that we will stay alert, so that we'll stay vigilant. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Peter writes, Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now, men, there's really three very prevalent dangers for us. And and I really think that of the three, that one that Peter points out, maybe for them was first, but for us, I'm not sure it's first. For us, well, maybe maybe not, because for us, here's the three dangers that you you, you face. Number one, you face a danger from the world system and the culture in which we live. In fact, our culture is becoming less and less moral, less and less Christianize, if you would, although I'm not sure American Christianity is really what we need, a national religion of Christianity. I'm not sure that's helpful. But, but everything from the TV commercials you watch to everything about culture it is really seeking to push you away from Christ. I think, that's a, that's, I think that's probably a greater enemy even than Satan, but I might be wrong. A second, the second one would be Satan prowling around like a roaring lion. But here's the one that I think you really need to be careful of, and that is the old you. That is your old nature. 
you need to be really aware of your old nature because your old nature will just come back and bite you when you think you've got it conquered. And so when Paul says here, or excuse me, yeah, when Paul says to them, hey, be alert, we need to be aware of the danger around us and stay vigilant. Number two, he says, stand firm in the faith. Don't give up. Don't give in when you're challenged or attacked or criticized. When you are attempted to, when you are tempted to abandon your faith, don't do it, men. Don't live for yourself. Don't capitulate. Stand your ground. Now listen to these verses. Again, Paul, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, earlier in this letter, he says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that, the, the Lord, you're, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Be steadfast, men, immovable, not moved away from your faith. Peter, in that same verse I read you just a moment ago, he follows it up with the following. Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. That's what we just read. Be alert. Verse 9, but resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. Men, listen, we need to stand firm in our faith and not be moved away from it. Just this week, I read an article. You probably read it. I put it on my Facebook, and several of you commented on it. But I read something that I missed that happened at the end of May, and that was a bunch of our Coptic Christian brothers on a bus being stopped by militants who made them get off the bus, and if they confessed Christ, they shot them in the head. And if they did not, if they renounced Christ, they let them live. And if I remember the story correctly, most, if not all of them, stood their ground and gave their lives for Christ. You know, most of us, we we know nothing of this. We know nothing of this kind of pressure and this sort of persecution. What I would ask you men and what I would ask myself, can I stand? You know, if we were on the bus, what would you do? Probably most of us think, I, I think think I'd walk off the bus and I think I would not renounce Christ. And that's what I think I would do too, but I don't know. But that's what I think. But you know what? Most of us will never have to deal with that. But you know what we've got to deal with every day is standing firm in our faith when there's no gun at my head, when there's nobody trying to pull me away. Can I stand faithful then? Can I stand firm then? Because it's just the little things that that are pulling us away. It's the little things. Just two weeks ago, I think it was, we had the, or three weeks ago, we had the, the passage in the scripture where the soils, the parable of the soils. Remember the two middle soils? The, the, the thorny soil and the, and the shallow soil? I mean, whatever you want to say about those people, they, may, they started well and they didn't finish. They didn't finish. They did not stand firm in their faith. One of them because of persecution, one of them because the cares of the world pulled them away. The Apostle Paul is saying to us men, stand firm in your faith. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, Paul says to that church, only conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for one, for the faith of the gospel, in no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction to them, but salvation for you, and that too from God. If we ever come to a place, if we ever come to a place where we got to get off the bus and they're going to shoot us or let us live, if you stand for Christ, you will be a sign of their destruction to them because you do not renounce Christ. 
How do we endure, men? How do we stand firm? Well, we look to Jesus. How did he do it? The Bible says he despised the shame. He endured the cross. He stood firm all the way to the end. Here's how you do it. You stay connected to him who did it first. You stay connected to Jesus who stood firm. That's how you and I stay firm. We have to stay connected. If I'm not connected to Jesus, I am a sitting duck. I am someone that that Satan, the world, my old self is just going to pull me off. And I'm going to lose unless I stay connected to Jesus. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. Unless you stay connected to me, you will bear no fruit. You're, you're, You're going to be moved away from the faith. And can I say this to you men? Listen to me carefully. Unrepentant sin will move you so fast and so far from Jesus unrepentant sin. Guys, listen, we all stumble. We, we all sin. You know, if anyone here thinks they have no sin, you're deceiving yourself, okay? But you know what? If you sin, the, the first thing you need to do is repent. Unrepentant sin will lead you further and further and further away from Christ. Standing firm means staying connected to Christ. Fight, men. Fight against that tendency to walk in sin. When you stumble, get up. You know, the Bible tells us to confess our sins one to another. You know why he does that? Because you cannot, you, you won't continue to, to hide yourself in the dark if you confess your sins to one another when you fail. Stand firm, men. The next thing that he says is act like men. Now, literally, that's what he says. Act like a man. That's literally what the text says. Now, some of you, if you were following along and you were reading from the NIV, for instance, it would have said, act courageously, I believe. And act courageously, that's an attempt of the NIV translators to make a dynamic translation of what the Apostle Paul meant when he said, act like men. You follow me? Literally, Paul said, act like men. Dynamically, what does that mean? What what did Paul mean by that? So the NIV translators are trying to help you understand it. So they're saying it it means to be courageous. And I don't disagree with them. I think acting like a man would be being courageous. But but I want to suggest that act like a man means two other things. All right. And and I think, you know, I think I have the spirit of God. I think I can say this and and be truthful to what I'm going to say. I think when, when the apostle Paul says act like a man, men, here's what I think he means. I think he means step up, step forward. And, and, and lead like a man. Initiate. Assume it's your job and your moment. Men, I, I believe that God has given us the role of leadership in the home and in the church. And you know, if you happen to not be a follower of Christ and you find that offensive, I'm sorry, but that's what the Bible says. That there are role distinctions in the body of Christ. And, and men, we're no better than women. Women, we're no better than you. You're not better than us. Well, you know, we, we, are, we are who we are, but we're given different roles. And God has given us men roles of leadership in the home and in the church. And, and here, when he says, act like a man, I think he's saying, step forward and lead. Reject apathy, men. Reject passivity and be men of action. In, in, Exodus, I mean, in Ezekiel 22, verse 30, God says, I searched for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand in the gap before me for the land so that I would not destroy it, but I found no one. I found not one man who would be willing to stand in the gap. In 2 Samuel chapter 10, verse 7, and then verse 12, David, David heard of it, it says, and he sent Joab and all the army, the mighty men. Then in verse 12, he says, Be strong and let us show ourselves courageous for the sake of our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what is good in his sight. 
Now, you know, we hear a lot of this today. Don't just act and say, God bless what I'm doing. We hear a lot of that, don't we? What do we, what do we hear say today? Follow God. Don't just do something, right? Follow, let God speak to you and then do what God's telling you to do. I think there's a balance here, everybody. And the balance needs to be, yeah, we need to be listening to God, but at the same time, we need to be men who act. And that's what David said. He said, hey, we're going to go and rescue our people. May the Lord do what is good in his sight. He's recognizing that, hey, I, I, this might not be what God wants, but this is what I believe God wants, and I'm going to step out and act. Men, we need to be men of leadership, men of initiative, not, not men who just are apathetic and lazy. Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, Many a man proclaims his own loyalty, but who can find a trustworthy man? James says something really similar in the New Testament. He says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror and doesn't remember what he saw. Verse 25, But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. Man, listen, when when Paul says act like a man, I think he's telling us we need to be men who lead, men who are willing to step up, to step forward, take initiative. Men, listen, can I say this? Stop waiting on mama to lead your family spiritually. And ladies, I mean no disrespect. You are the godliest women. And and I remember when I wasn't willing to step forward and and I I was dropping my leadership ball my wife picked up that ball and she ran with it and she did what she was supposed to do. You women are godlier than us. This is not about who's godly. But I'm telling you, men, you need to step up and you need to lead. And you need to stop waiting on mama to lead your family spiritually. You need to take the initiative. You need to gather your family together. You need to take your sons under your wing and you need to teach them the word of God and your daughters, sons and daughters. Where are the men who lead our children in our church family? Where are the men who are willing to step up and lead in our church and ministry? Number four, here's what I think act like a man means. It means speak up like a man. It means step up and lead up like a man, but it also means speak up like a man. Silence in the midst of sin is a sin. For us not to speak up when when we're supposed to speak up, we need to be courageous, fear God, not men, and we need to speak the truth, but always in Always in love. Proverbs 31, verse 8. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all the unfortunate. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and defend the rights of the afflicted and needy. Open your mouth, open your mouth, open your mouth. Did you hear it? Speak up, men. We need to speak up. Always in love. Proverbs 27, verse 5. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. If we could only believe that on both ends. If we could only believe it on both ends, and I'll talk about that in just a second. 1 Peter 3.15, sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. Speak up, men. Act like a man. Step forward and, and talk. Proverbs 24, 11 through 12, deliver those who are being taken away to death and those who are staggering to slaughter. Oh, hold them back. If you say, see, we did not know this, does not he who considers it, who weighs the hearts? And does not he, does he not know it who keeps your soul? And will he not render a man according to his work? Listen, if we say, I didn't speak up because I didn't know, God's saying, that's, that's baloney. You knew. Speak up. One more. 
Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, man, I'm, I'm not saying that we should be obnoxious idiots. I'm not saying that we should be some people who are rude. I, I mean, that's not at all what I'm saying. But I am saying this. If, if we fail to speak up when we know we need to speak the truth, then if we keep silent when we know we're not to keep silent... We are not being the man that God desires us to be. Stop being afraid of men. And this, this is for me more than it's for you all. Stop being afraid of men and what they might think, but speak the truth and love when it needs to be spoken. That might be to your kids. It might be to your best male friend. It might be to your, your wife. Speak the truth, guys, when it needs to be spoken. And here's, here's what I said a minute ago when it goes both ways. I'm not going to add this. This really isn't in the text. But, but man, even, men, even if I'm asking, even as Paul is asking us, I think, when he says, act like a man, to speak up, even when that's the case, can I tell you that I think the converse is true as well? And be a man who's willing to receive it when somebody does speak up. I tell you, we have too many men who are so filled with pride and self-righteousness that you've become unapproachable and people aren't willing to speak to you because they're afraid of how you're going to react. They're afraid you're not going to receive it. They're going to be afraid that you're not going to see it as love. Men, act like men. Be a godly man and speak the truth, but be a godly man also and stomp out pride in your life and be willing to listen when someone comes to you. Psalm 141 verse 5 says, Let the righteous smite me in kindness and reprove me. It is oil upon the head. Do not let my head refuse it, for still my prayer is against their wicked deeds. Here's what the psalmist says. I want the righteous man to come and help me. I want him to smite me because it is oil on my head. It's a good thing. Don't let me refuse it when somebody comes. Proverbs 12.1, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Listen, when a guy comes to you, or even if a woman comes to you, or a child comes to you, and says, and, and, and says, Daddy, friend, let me tell you something, and they point out something, if you're not willing to receive, that doesn't mean you have to agree, but if you're not willing to receive that in love, you are stupid. The Word of God. You are stupid. <sighs> Next one, number five. Let me review. Stay vigilant, stay firm, stand firm, step forward, speak up. But Paul goes on, men. He says, receive power. Your text may say, be strong. I think that's what mine said. But it's really a passive verb there in the Greek. And so it's not saying, hey, muster up strength in yourself and be strong. That's not what it's saying. It's saying, be strengthened. Be strengthened. And, you know, and I couldn't help but, but think, you know, basically Paul is saying, guys, be strengthened by someone other than yourselves. It's not strength that comes from within. It's you receiving strength of another. And, and doesn't that remind you of Acts 1.8? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, and, and, and to the ends of the earth. Here, here's what Paul is saying to us men. Men, be dependent and empowered by God's Holy Spirit. Quit being self-reliant. Quit, quit being someone who thinks you got it, on, you got it made, you got it fixed, you're, you're, you're it. Instead, be dependent upon the Holy Spirit because the truth is you're going to fail in your own strength. And so Ephesians, to the church at Ephesus, Paul wrote, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Now the pro- practical question is, well, how do I do that? How do I get empowered by His Spirit? Well, the Bible says be filled with the Spirit. That's the key to be empowered by the Spirit. Be filled with 
with the Spirit. What does that mean? Well, I'm trying to be practical here and not just be, you know, in the, in the clouds. All right. So Paul says, men, it's not your power. It's God's power working in you. How does that happen? It's through the Holy Spirit. How, how do you receive the power of the Holy Spirit to live this kind of strength that God desires of you? How do you do that? Well, it, it goes back to what I said a minute ago. You, you remain connected to the Holy Spirit. You remain connected to Jesus, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Father, one God, three persons, but you remain, you remain connected. That, that's, how, that's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It means that you abide in Him. You stay, you stay somehow attached to Him so that you have His power. Now, what does that practically look like? Here's where it gets practical, okay? Number one, you have to stay engaged with the Spirit of God. You have to stay engaged with the Spirit of God. And what I mean by that is simply this. I mean, as you wake up in the morning, men, start your day like, God, I'm powerless today. I really need you. I can't do this on my own. I need your strength because I don't have what I need to be the man of God that you want me to be, to be the father, to be the husband. You know, you, you stay connected and it means be engaged. So every morning, try to do this. And you know what? I know you may do it for a while because this happens to me. And you know, and when, when, when that ends, then I have to find another way to sort of stay engaged. But, but find ways to stay engaged with the Holy Spirit, reminding yourself that it's Him. But the other thing I would say is stay in God's Word. And I know this is, you know, it's like, doesn't every pastor say this? <laughs> read your Bible, read your Bible. You know, I guess what I'm trying to say is if you want to stay engaged with the Spirit of God, read your Bible. But read your Bible not just so you can check it off in the morning. Read your Bible to say, God, speak to me this morning. Even if you just read a few verses. But stay connected to your Bibles, everyone. That's how you stay connected to the Spirit of God. And as you stay connected to the Spirit of God, man, He empowers us and He leads us. Number six, choose love, man. Look at verse 14. Let all that you do be done in love. Whatever you do, men, you should choose to act in love. Let love be your motivation, the motivation of your life. Jesus taught us to love our enemies. Paul meticulously defines what it means to love. 1 Corinthians 13, earlier in the same letter, this is what he says. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous. Love does not brag. It's not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It does not take into account wrongs suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now let me distill that down, what that means. When, when, when I say, when Paul says, let everything you do in love, what, what does that mean? Love distilled down to its basic essence is this. It is preferring others as more important than ourselves. It's about choosing others over self. And that really is the Christian life. That really is what it means to love. It really is what it means to follow Christ. Men, here's what God's saying. Keep your eye on serving and blessing others as you do everything you do. Let me ask you, men, this is a rhetorical question, unless you feel so led to come and confess, but how self-centered are you at home? How selfish are you at home? Or are you all about yourself and all about your life and all about being served and serving others? Or are you about serving, are you about serving your wife and serving your children? Now, if you'd asked me yesterday, how are you doing, Jimmy? I would have said, I'm doing good. But you know, last night, my wife said, hey, we need to talk. We went out on the porch and I asked permission to share this. 
because this morning I felt led to share it. But we went on the porch and sat on the swing, and she said, Jimmy, I feel like life now is all about you. And you're just all about you, and you've forgotten me. You know, if you'd asked me the day before, I would have said I was doing great. So, you know, sometimes, guys, we have a, we have a misperception of how loving we really are. We think we're doing great, but really to the one that we love, they're not really feeling it. They're not, really express, they're, not, they're not feeling it expressed by us. So, men, here's what I'd like to ask you to do on this thing about loving one another and choosing. Go to the people that you love the most and, and just ask them, you know, how am I doing? You know, do you feel loved by me? Is, am I being selfish and, and, and I'm so selfish I don't even recognize it? You see, men, here, here's what Paul is saying to us. He's saying, you be loving Man, let me ask you this. How about at work? How about at work? Are you, are you all about getting ahead of everyone else? Or are you living at work in such a way that you are choosing to serve others and advance them? You know, I spent a couple days with my brother out in Phoenix, and he, he works at, at a grocery store, excuse me, a furniture store out in Phoenix, and, and it's a name chain, uh, chain brand or whatever. And he was telling me, he's, he's burned out on it, and he was telling me about the, one of the top eight salespeople in all the country for this furniture chain is in his store. And I said, how does, how does, how does this lady, how, do, how does she do it? He said, because she doesn't care about anybody but herself. And so you're the closest one to somebody coming in. You don't have anybody, and you're walking towards the door. She will run to get ahead of you and beat you to that person. So if you want to, if you want to get ahead, you're going to have to choose to run to that person too, or she's going to run ahead of you and beat you there. You know, when your family, your friends, your co-workers talk about you, do they say, he's a selfish cutthroat who's all about himself? Or would they say about you in, in the operation of your life and work, that he's about, he cares about us, he cares about me, he cares about others? How would people evaluate you? In verse 15, Paul gives us, if you look back at your text, Paul gives us an example of what it means to love practically. Look at verse 15. Now I urge you, brothers, you know the household of Stephanas, that they were the first fruits of Achaia, and they have devoted themselves for ministry to the saints. He, he, here he's drawing this letter to a conclusion, and he, and, he, and he highlights Stephanas' family. And he says, you know, Stephanas, they were the first people there in, in, in Greece. They were the first people to believe. And you know the neat thing about them? They devoted their entire lives to just serving the body of Christ, to the ministry of the saints. He highlights them, I believe, as an illustration of what it means to love, to do everything in love. Now, loving others is so much about us serving them. Mark 10, 45, but even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. John 13, Jesus highlights servanthood by, by taking on that role as servant and then saying to, to everybody that was there, he said, guys, now I've given you an example. You go and follow and you do the same. You were saved to love God. Okay, listen to me carefully. You were saved to love and to know God. But you were also saved in, in, in so that the practical expression of loving God would be seen in you loving people. It would be seen in you serving others. I say it again. Our Christian life, everybody, is about serving others. It's about being others-centered and others-focused. Finally, the last one. 
The last one, the last challenge, man, I think, is to be humble. Be humble. Let me see if I can pull this out of what remains. Verse, uh, verse 16. He says, now I urge you, back at the beginning, give Stephanas as an example. He says, that you also be in subjection to such men who have servant hearts and to everyone who helps in the work and labor. Now in this talk, even as I think Paul ends this challenge to men, to, to tell you, choose men, choose the path of humility. Choose the path of humbling yourself. Guard your heart against pride. Be willing to submit to others and not have to be in control all the time. Humility means that I, I, it's not that I don't, it's not thinking less of myself. It means to think of myself less. Man, that's what we need to be doing. We need to be thinking it's not about me. It's really about the kingdom of God. And Paul urges these men, be willing to submit to other men who have servants' hearts. 1 Peter 5, 5 through 7. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders, older people, older men. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Philippians 2, 3-5, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mindset among you, yourselves, which was also the mind of Christ. Philippians 2, 3-5. Micah 6, 8, he has told you, O man, what is good, what the Lord, does, what the Lord requires of you, that you do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. And finally, Isaiah 66, 2, God says, for my hand made all these things, thus all these things came into being, declares the Lord. But, but, to this one I will look, to him who is humble and contrite of spirit, who trembles at my word. In Romans 9, Paul, or God says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And that verse, he tells us who will have mercy on, the one who is humble and contrite of spirit, who trembles at his word. Men, you don't always have to be recognized. You don't always have to have the lead seat. You don't always have to be first. You don't always have to get your way. To be a person, be a man who can submit just as well as you can lead. You see, you might think, well, I'm contradicting what I said earlier when I said step up. No, I'm saying, men, a lot of us need to step up and we need to reject apathy and we need to lead. But you know what, men? I, I need, if I'm going to be a good leader, I've got to be willing to take the back seat just as, just as easily as I'll take the lead seat. We need to be doing both of those. So, men, I challenge you. God challenges you. Be humble. So there you have it, men. That's what God desires of you, seven challenges. Now, let me ask you, which of these needs most attention from you this day? Let me walk back through them. Staying vigilant. Is that what you need to change most, men? Do you need to, you need to wake up from your apathy and you're just, you're, you're just kind of floating along the river? Do you need to wake up from that and start being alert? Then it was sta- standing firm. Do you need to stand firm, men? Or are you just one of these that are constantly giving in to sin, constantly just uh, denying your faith by your actions or even by your words? Do you need to stand firm? 
The next one was stepping up. Men, do you need to step up because you're just always passive, always remaining back? And I realize there's the gift of leadership, and I recognize that. But men, you know, we, I don't have to lead to be a person who steps up and sees a place for me to serve and be a part. You know, do you need to step up? Do you need to speak out? Are you a man who's just never speaking out for truth? Never sp- I'm, not, I'm not talking about sharing the gospel. I'm including that, but really I'm talking about just speaking for truth. Saying what needs to be said in the workplace, at home, wherever. Saying what needs to be said. You know what needs to be said, but you're scared. You need to speak up. Do you need to be somebody who receives power from the Holy Spirit? You're not connected to God. You need to be connected to God so that you have the power to live this Christian life. Do you need to choose love, men? And I'm telling you, you know, uh, prior to yesterday, if you'd asked me, I'd say, oh, I'm really loving at home. I'm really doing a great job. But you know, when, when the boss tells me I'm not doing so good, you know, that's what matters. Isn't that what matters? Men, isn't that what matters? Doesn't matter how well you think you're doing. What matters is what does your wife think? What do your children think? Are you being a servant at home? That's what matters. Uh, choose love. And then finally, be humble. Be willing to, be willing to say, I'm wrong. I need to fix that. I need to change that. Be willing to listen when people speak into your life and it's hard to hear. Don't attack the messenger. Be one to receive, men, what, what they're saying to you. That's what God desires of us. Those are my seven challenges to us. Now, let me take a minute before we go. And, uh, and men, let me, let me just talk to you for just a second. You know, you're not going to be able to do these things apart from Christ. You know, this is not about being moralistic. This isn't about you sucking it up and finding it in yourself to do the seven things that I've challenged you to do. Although, I make no apology for challenging you to those things because the Apostle Paul challenged the church at Corinth, and I think specifically the men of Corinth, to those things. So I don't make apology for that. But what I say to you is this. Listen to me carefully, men. You're not going to be able to do those things apart from the power of Christ in you. And so the place where you need to begin this morning, and maybe this is where some of you men need to begin, is you need to say, Jesus, I I need you. I want to follow you. I recognize that the power to live like Jesus comes from Jesus. And so today, this morning, I want you, Jesus, to come into my life and lead my life. Some of you men, you need to kind of Put these seven things on the back burner and you need to address the one issue. Are you a follower of Jesus? Are you someone who's given your life to follow Christ? That Jesus has has changed you. He's come. Listen, Jesus said, but as many as received me, to them I'm giving the right to become children of God. You see, Paul said, it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. But he said, it's not just I who live anymore. It's Christ who lives in me. So men, here's what you need most of all before you try to live your life according to these seven things. And you should. But before you start there, start with, hey, Jesus, I need you. I want to follow you. So I ask you men this morning, would you be willing to follow Jesus? Would you be willing today for the very first time in your life say, man, Jesus, I am going to follow you. That's my invitation to you, all of you men. That's the place to begin. And then let's live out these seven things. Would you bow your heads and hearts with me for just a moment? And we're going to be dismissed in just a minute. But men, just in the quietness of this moment, between you and God, nobody but you and God, if you need to make an initial 
response to Jesus, then would you make it right now? I mean, if God, if you know in your heart, I need to follow Jesus, I want to follow Jesus, just make that initial commitment to him right there in your heart, right now. You say, I don't know how to do that, Jimmy. Sure you do. Just talk to him. Just tell him. You don't need my words. You just tell him. Maybe some men are doing that. While while men are doing that, for the rest of us men, which of these seven things, like I told the the ladies, I told you all several times in this All in the Family series of talks, that, you know, how am I going to respond to this? Men, is there any of these seven things that, that Paul challenges them to that really just... Granted, I know I'm kind of defining act like men, but any of the seven things that I challenged you with, any of those ring a bell, any of those like, ah, I need to really, I need to step it up in that area. Maybe I need to bring it down in the prideful area. But right now, just in this quiet moment, for another 30 seconds or so, you talk to God. God, I know I speak for all my brothers, uh, most of my brothers. We, we want to act like men. We want to be uh, men who stand firm, men who are willing to receive your strength to live the Christian life, men who will act like men, be loving in the way we conduct ourselves, be filled with humility, Lord. Uh, help us to reject pride. Help us to reject needing to be the lead all the time. And those of us that are too passive, Lord, help us to step up and and be more manly, and that we we take initiative, and that we reject apathy in our lives. Help us, God, with all of these things. Lord, thank you for my brothers. Would you bless them this day, especially those that are dads. Lord, bless them for this great calling and, and privilege and responsibility you've given them. And Father, may this, as we begin a new year of fatherhood in a way, Lord, would you would you help all these dads to be the best dads they can be. Lord, thanks for being with us this morning. Thanks for meeting us. Thank you for putting us together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. This message has been brought to you by Bacon's Castle Baptist Church. And if you'd like to learn more about our church, please visit us on the web at www.baconscastle.com.